Hi, this is Adam Feinberg, and I'm with Harlem Stories. My guest today is Mark Becker. Thanks, Adam. Thanks, and uh, you know, uh, I know that you know I've introduced you before in previous episodes, but um, you know, not everyone he hears all the episodes in order. So, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your background and your business? Sure. Well, uh, I was actually born in Canada, but uh, my first uh, residence, as of a few days old, was actually in the Bronx. And um, as a 20-something, I lived for a time in, uh, on LaSalle Street in, in Harlem, uh, just south of 125th Street there uh, between um, the Columbia Barnard campus and, and 125th Street. I also spent a couple years in Washington Heights and uh, lived on Upper East, Upper West um, at, at various points of my uh, pre-married pre existence. So uh, I like to consider myself an expert on New York City, but... Um, but you're probably chock full of a lot more facts about uptown than I am. Yeah, yeah, I've I've been uh, I myself I I bought in Hamilton Heights section of Harlem uh, almost 17 years ago now mm. uh, that I've been living there. Uh, but what I didn't know is you know at the time when I bought there is my family history. You know, uh, which I didn't realize my dad worked at what was, you ultimately became that Harlem Fairway at 125th Street. Wow. But, you know, then I later, you know, learned that, you know, one of my grandmothers lived in Harlem briefly and another, my other grandmother, uh, actually, she went to Harlem High back and we found her, you know, uh, I think high school, I guess, I don't know, flip sign-in book type of thing that they had back then. Wow. And it was uh, Harlem High Class of 1929. Whoa. So, you know, so my, my, my family history dates back, you know. Almost, Coming on 100 years. Yeah, close to 100 <laughs> years, and I didn't know that when I first bought Uptown. I, I assume she won't be at the reunion. No, no, unfortunately. <laughs> you know, May uh, she rest in peace. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, so, you know, I've, I've had, you know, actually an, a relative who actually uh, graduated from City College. Mm. So none of this did I, I know at the time when I, you know, first bought Uptown that, you know, that my family history went back, you know, roughly somewhere around 100 years ago. Wow. Um, so, you know, I, I, you know, me personally, you know, I've always been a history buff and have, you know, found so many of these facts interesting. Today we're going to talk about more about like some interesting stories that I've had, mm. you know, come across as well as, you know, some neighborhood updates, you know, things that I think that, you know, people that are living uptown, um, you know, uh, you know, whether considering they're maybe thinking of buying or, or renting uptown, mm. you know, give them a little bit of, you know, uh, of some updates because, you know, while there's various blogs out there and various news sources out there, there's nothing that really brings it all together. And I hope this to be, you know, one of those opportunities help bring some insight in that. So, you know, first off, you know, about a year ago, I ended up selling a, a, you know, townhouse near Strivers Row. And, it, you know, it just turned out to be such a fascinating story. Mm. And, um, you know, ultimately, you know, the, we went through this house, two-family house, absolutely beautiful, 18 feet wide. Mm. Um, uh, tremendous original detail, including actually a Star of David in, in the inlay of the hardwood flooring. Mm. <laughs> so, you know, it tells you a little bit about the history of, of the neighborhood without necessarily breaking agent uh, uh, fair housing laws. <laughs> uh, although we're not actually in a podcast. We're not held by the same standard. We're not actually... I hope not. I'm, I'm, I'm about to get politically 
incorrect, so I, I hope not. Yeah, so we're <laughs> not held by those same standards, <laughs> but at the same time, obviously, yeah. you know, want to try and keep as close to it as possible. Sure. Um, but yeah, it, it just tells a little bit about the demographic of there. Uh, the, the house in and of itself, you know, was absolutely stunningly beautiful. Had all these original details. You know, the the, the buyers I was working with, young couple. And they, um, you know, they're thinking about having, you know, kids and multiple kids at that. And, you know, we see this, we're, we're on the, uh, the parlor floor of the house. And as you're going up the staircase to the second floor, what we see is a landing midway between the two floors. And we see this incredible built-in uh, uh, seat into the side of, like, where the railing would be. Instead, it just kind of pops out a little bit from where the railing is, and there's this built-in seat. Hmm. And naturally, you know, my client, who's young and, you know, is kind of cool, you know, the sure. attitude and whatnot, she's thinking, like, you know what, you know, if we buy this house, this is going to be the naughty seat. <laughs> this, this is going to be the seat for the, 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 the kids have their time out in. But put can, the dunce cap on, put them there. Yeah, I can see them whether I'm on on the parlor floor. I can see them whether I'm on the second floor. Sure. And, and you know, either way, I can see them. And you know, we we go through, and they actually did wind up buying the house. Now, the reason why I wind up mentioning specifically this, you know, this this what's called the naughty seat, mm. uh, is because it actually was quite significant in the storyline. So. Of course, naturally, you know, you're going to ask, why is this so significant, this, this built-in seat over here? So, you know, clients wind up buying the home, and they absolutely loved it. They loved the history of it. It's a block south of, you know, of Strivers Row. Sure. It's, you know, absolutely stunningly beautiful. And actually, a couple celebrities actually, you know, took a look at it. Interesting. You know, I'm not going to say names, but sure. one of them has actually, you know, been filming a, a TV series in the neighborhood and you know it's got Harlem in the name and I know there's a couple that fit in that so it narrows it down a lot but not entirely sure um, in any case you know they, you know they fell in love with it they go they purchase it okay now it's time for the insurance now you know obviously a, a townhouse is going to be insured differently than you know than, than a condo or a co-op sure. you're, you're, it's, it's the real property it's the whole house um, and, and obviously, it's got original details from 1899 when the house was, was originally built, and they're in spectacular condition. So, you know, first thing that comes across is obviously that you're going to be paying a fortune and, you know, in replacement costs for insurance because this is all original. You can't rebuild this stuff again, mm. you know, not, not to this caliber, you know, not with all the in, original inlay and all the original details. And So you know, State, State Farm's going to take you to the cleaners. Yeah, yeah, unfortunately. I don't know if State Farm's necessarily the best, you know, best place for this one, but, yeah, you're, you're definitely going to... You're losing us sponsors, Adam. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But at the same time, I can tell you that, you know, that ultimately this was a higher-end insurer, and, sure. you know, ultimately in townhouses, you know, especially with a lot of these, you know, really detailed, you do want to make sure to have the right kind of insurance person for the property mm. um so that said you know the insurance appraiser comes in you know to try and give them a reasonable estimate now the clients are ecstatic in one way and they're miserable in another way because they find out that the replacement
replacement value of the house is twice what they paid. Mm. Uh, so obviously they feel they got a great deal, but obviously then you have to pay for that in terms of the premiums. Sure. Uh, but the but the really cool part about it was the insurance appraiser actually was pretty knowledgeable on not only the house but the neighborhood and the type of construction. And he goes and tells them he's like, you know, this house back in eighteen ninety nine because of this seat over here, this house was actually built to be a originally built to be a brothel. Huh. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and the clients are like, oh man, that is awesome. And not exactly the reaction you might expect from most people, but this is obviously going back to 1899. Yeah. You know, so you're building in that whole history component into the equation. So this is the time I can now go back and say to you know clients and say, yeah, there was this one time I went back and ac- accidentally sold my clients a former brothel. <laughs> so you know, ultimately the seat, the placement of the seat was actually really important. We found out, you know, number one, the madam could actually look into the parlor level and see, you know, those that were being entertained, maybe having an alcoholic beverage, sure. you know, and you know, chatting up with some of the ladies, and you know, she could see some of the behaviors, make sure nothing is getting out of control and keeping an eye on them from there. Mm. But it served a second purpose, which was, you know, from that elevation and angle, she could see straight out the glass windows of the front door uh, and through the vestibule and see who's coming on in from the outside Mm. as they're coming up the staircase. Then there was a third benefit of that location over there. There were ever any problems with any of the girls in any of the bedrooms upstairs. She'd already be halfway up the staircase. There you go. So it was it was kind of like an ideal placement. But you know, I, I find this to be a fascinating story, and I and I think a lot of our listeners would probably agree. Well, I I won't ask you if brothels today look the same because <laughs> I I know you have no idea about that, and neither do I. <laughs> I I can say that uh, when when I first moved into my apartment, uh, you know, it, you know, it's a very different block than it was back then. Uh, but you know, but two doors down, there was an active live brothel when I first moved in. Oh wow! Uh, and there were some raids with the you know the guys in the in the full armor and the and the you know the shield SWAT team. Yeah, it was like SWAT team, like all like uh, and and they raided the place and. Ultimately, now it's been converted to a two-unit condo, and the developer lives on the lower three floors, and sold the uh, as a second unit on the upper three floors with the uh, with an awesome roof deck that sold for like one point eight million and change. Mm. So, what a what a difference, you know, from a formal brothel when I first moved in there, and you know, the, the mid two thousands uh, to today, it's a luxury condo. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah. everything you know, changes. The neighborhoods have really changed. Uh, but you know, in terms of the the changes, you know, I think now is probably a good update. You know, time to provide some updates on things that we know that are happening uptown that might be really useful to go through. Mm-hmm. Um, so first off, one thing I know, and and you know, I think this is quite timely for you know for anybody that's interested in buying or thinking about buying. The possibility is, you know, much of Upper Manhattan, and I'm not including Morningside Heights in this, but most of the properties north of uh, 110th Street, assuming the finan- the building financials are good and whatnot, will qualify for a specialized mortgage program mm-hmm. uh, called the Community Reinvestment Act Loan Program (CRAs), you know, as they're commonly known. Now, uh, I think at some point it'll probably make sense for me to bring in my banker over at First Republic, yeah. you know, talk about, you know, some of the mortgage loan programs that, 
you know, that are offered, you know, primarily uptown because we see a lot of specialized properties uptown that you might not see too often in other parts of Manhattan, such as HDFCs. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're quite plentiful uptown, but it's also the CRA program that we see, you know, a lot. And I can tell you, you know, firsthand that CRA program has made a lot of difference in, in my sales uptown. So, you know, as an example, while rates are, you know, have, and, and we've been hearing in the last week that rates are starting to go up again after, you know, dropping for the last six, seven weeks prior to that. Um, where, where Where is the approximate mortgage rates today? I, I think the best you're going to do on a 30-year fixed is right around 5.625 yeah, in, the, in that neighborhood. Yeah, and, and, and that's where the this CRA program really comes in is because you don't necessarily have to be any special qualifiers or any really anything different or, or terribly unique to – uh, to qualify for it, it's based on the neighborhoods. These mm-hmm. neighborhoods were once redlined, and that's what the CRA program is meant to address. Uh, you know, I guess some form of restitution, you know, for these neighborhoods having been previously redlined. So right now, First Republic is offering, and you just said five point six and change. Mm. Um, First Republic is offering three point seven five on a thirty-year fixed. Um, so this is an amazing for opportunity. any neighborhood that qualifies. So wow. you know, typically you're looking at Central Harlem, uh, you're looking at Hamilton Heights, you're looking at Washington Heights, you're looking at Inwood, uh, East Harlem would probably qualify, or at least mo- most of the properties. And keep in mind, this is this program is is defined by census tract, mm-hmm. uh, which is not the same thing as like neighborhood barriers or zip code barriers or. You know, um, so there there's some property that might qualify on one side of the street, but because it's not in the same census tract, it might not qualify right, on right. the other side of the street. However, that said, you know, most of those neighborhoods that I've mentioned, you know, are going to you know have have properties that will qualify. Now that said, in order to, for First Republic to lend, the building has to be in financially decent shape. Mm-hmm. You know, they, I mean, granted, they're they're willing to really work with us on on you know getting a building qualified. You know, but at the same time, you know, if they're a financial disaster, they might not necessarily want to lend. Makes you know, sense. But, you know, but you know, well managed buildings certainly, absolutely. As far as the buyer qualifications, um, you're going to have to have pretty decent credit. You know, it doesn't necessarily have to be you know. Uh, 800 or above, but you know, obviously you need to have strong credit. Um, and I don't know what they're doing right now with the down payment, but I know traditionally that that their Eagle Loan Program, which is a CRA program, I know traditionally they were needed. Uh, I want to say 20% down as a minimum, which you know, for most New Yorkers, you know, most New Yorkers are looking that if they're looking at co-ops anyway. You know, it's the condo buyers that, you know, that, you know, might not necessarily have like the 20% to, you know, or, or more sure. to put down. Now, I've gotten indications that they might have, you know, considered uh, a higher, a slightly higher down payment right now, potentially 25%. But that we'll have to, you know, go back and check with our banker on. The only other catches are that it must be a primary residence and, you know, combine that with that, uh, you know, uh, like you do need to bank something with First Republic, mm-hmm. and when we talk open about open a bank- checking account or something like yeah, that, yeah, or like direct, you know, might have direct deposit if you're W two employee, uh, you might have to have something on 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 balance with them, and they'll work with you to kind of figure that out. But I, I felt like this is worth mentioning. There are several other banks that do offer these CRA programs. 
Uh, First Republic is definitely the the you know the the best deal that I've come across, but it might not necessarily be right for every buyer. So we do have other banks that offer it. I know Amalgamated offers it, Bank of America offers it, but that one has an income restriction on it. Um, and and uh, I know Citizens has one, and I know Chase and and City both have like first time home buyer programs. It's not necessarily a CRA program, mm. but you know some of those might be advantageous to some buyers. But you know every bank we need to go through, and it's definitely worth mentioning to our listeners. Um, you know, in terms of mortgage advice, it's not quite the same as you know going with you know what mortgage advice you're going to get in the rest of the country because a lot of our properties don't necessarily fit the same requirements as Fannie and Freddie Mae, mm-hmm. you know, that the majority of banking banks in, in the rest of the nation qualify for. So, you know, it's always worth it to go with local lenders here that are familiar with lending in Manhattan. So that's always worth mentioning. Yeah, actually, uh, I remember that um, when my wife and I first bought in Washington Heights, uh, we weren't even aware of the CRA, and actually, uh, Tony Zhao, who I can't remember who he he's with Popular now. I can't yeah, remember. he's now with Popular. Yeah. <clears throat> he's with somebody else before. Anyway, he he just unilaterally mentioned it. I'm glad he did because um, they were offering, I think, a four thousand dollar credit for the CRA. And that's right. And actually, First Republic is offering about that now too. Yeah, and it it effectively paid our closing costs. Which was nice. Nice, uh, very nice. Um, so that 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 kind of zeroed out, um, but it was a nice surprise because we didn't even know about it. So I, I I think that you know you educating your clients, uh, us as 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 brokers, um, letting our clients know, hey, you're spending a lot of money. You might as well get some help if you can. So look up that zip code and, and figure out if it's in a CRA. Yeah, and absolutely, and you know, having sold in these uptown neighborhoods, you know, quite frequently. Um, you know, I, I typically have a reasonable idea whether the building will qualify for the CRA. I don't know every building, of course, uh, but, you know, but, uh, you know, as a general uh, code, a lot of the buildings uptown are going to qualify as long as the building itself is financially stable. Yeah, I, I think the way I look at it is if, if it's a neighborhood that could definitely benefit from some economic infusion, the, the legislature or whoever's in charge of designating these areas has has recognized that, and, and you'll you'll probably be able to get the CRA. Yeah, because it, it doesn't just apply to na- these upper Manhattan neighborhoods. It could apply in Brooklyn or Queens or the Bronx. Right. Um, you'll need to know exactly where you're looking, you know, specifically in, in, in terms of that. Uh, the one other thing that, I, you know, before I, you know, uh, move on from the CRA loan programs um, is the, the neighborhood just south of 110th Street along Central Park West area. Mm. Um, I don't know if it necessarily applies to every property, but some of the properties in, in that area of Manhattan Valley, mm. uh, that's considered Manhattan Valley, uh, there are going to be uh, uh, you know buildings and, and, and apartments that do qualify for that CRA lending program there. Um, I'm less confident of whether you know every building is going to qualify in that area or not. Well, they got that big condo between 97th and 100th. I wonder if that one would. Yeah, you're, you're talking about like there's like the four buildings. I think 372 the, through 400 yeah, Central, Central Park, Park West. Towers or something. Yeah, like that. exactly. Yeah. Um, I, I'm not quite sure whether they they qualify or not, but you know, it's certainly you know Manhattan Valley as a whole. Uh, I know at least some of the buildings will qualify. Mm. So, you know, that's certainly something if you're interested in, 
you know, certainly we like to be adding value to all of our conversations with all of our clients, and that's certainly one way that we can do it. Good. So, you know, I guess now, you know, getting away from the mortgage moment over here, you know, let's go through. We got a list of a whole slew of of neighborhood updates and you know obviously you know this is harlem that we're talking about we're talking about up, upper manhattan neighborhoods typically i go down to like the mid 90s or so as we go into you know manhattan valley whether we talk about the bloomingdale section of the upper west side you know so we do typically cover from 96th on uh, street on northward um so some interesting updates that are worth noting 96 plus uh, Broadway, which is the address is actually technically 250 West 96th Street. Uh, the building is finally uh, uh, that new building, and it's right across the street from the subway entrance right over there. It is now ready, and the sales have recently started. One through five bedroom layouts. It's 23 stories, 131 apartments. And prices start, you know, the smallest units are going to be one bedrooms, and prices start at 1.395. Mm. Um, so, you know, being right across from the one, two, and three train, you know, all those conveniences, easy crosstown access. Um, it's a higher end luxury building, so I, I think that's, uh, uh, you know, uh, you know, pretty uh, interesting opportunities for those that are looking for new construction. Also on the new construction end of the spectrum, and definitely worth mentioning right now, is 103rd and Broadway Toll Brothers. Mm. Uh, just got an update yesterday on this, is that the showrooms are finally open, but right now they're not 100% ready. So right now it's limited to private appointments and those that have already requested information. Uh, I've been on that, you know, on their list, you know, uh, for additional information. The new building is called the Rockwell. Um, new condos. Uh, the sales gallery, ironically, is going to be across the street from the Claremont Hall sales gallery, which is right around 109th and Broadway. Um, and so, that's a that's a great area, by the way. Uh, sorry to interject. Yeah, but you go I ahead. Recently, did a deal with a, a client up on 104th between uh, Broadway and Amsterdam, and um, there are certain pockets of of Manhattan where it, you're going to find great value. Now, and how do you define value? Well, the, the traditional definition of value, of course, is uh, you get a little more for your money. Than, than you would somewhere else. And I, I like that area between 96th and 110 that you're describing because you still get all this sort of accoutrement of uh, living on the Upper West Side with the, the nice restaurants and the great retail opportunities. You got your bagel shop, you got your Italian spot, you got your Korean spot, all that sort of stuff. And uh, <clears throat> as well as clothiers, um, just a great place to go shopping for just about anything. And of course, you're, you're right off the one train. Um, for an easy, quick uh, trip uptown or downtown. So, uh, yeah, low 100s right off of Broadway, like you're describing that Toll Brothers project, great neighborhood. Yeah, and actually, I'm really glad that you brought uh, brought this up, specifically that area, you know, north of 96 to 110, specifically between Broadway and Amsterdam. You know, I, I really love that area as a target there just isn't a whole lot of options uh, in that area. Yeah. So I think this is bringing something really, really a great product that where there's just a, an absolute shortage of, of condos in that area. Yeah. Um, so I, I think this is really interesting. Not only that, 
additionally, you know, as you're talking about value, one of the things that I've identified, you know, uh, from the Upper West Side, even going up through Washington Heights, uh, that that section between Broadway and Amsterdam, there tends to be that tends to be a pocket of opportunity and value. Yeah. Um, so while you might not necessarily see a whole lot of inventory in that section, um, there's there's definitely a lot of value, you know, opportunities in, in in that. For whatever reason, the housing stock over there, you know, whatever options there are to buy in that area, for whatever reason, it's definitely you know a, a value opportunity. Yeah, I think that I think that's right, and and I also think that uh, you know particularly that area between Broadway and Amsterdam is discounted a little bit because you know uh, that block as you go east towards the park uh, between Amsterdam and Columbus is is you know perhaps not quite as aesthetically pleasing. But what I tell clients who are are sort of priced out of uh, areas further downtown is look. Uh, you live on 104. You know my my most recent client who, who bought a gorgeous one bedroom with high ceiling, 14 foot ceilings, on 104th and uh, Broadway. As I said, look, you know you're living on 104th Street. You're just going to walk out your front door and you're going to take a right and you're going to go to Broadway. You know, and it and it makes it uh, if 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 there are some sort of unsavory uh, or not as aesthetically pleasing or developing sections as if if we're going right. to sort of use a euphemism. Uh, uh, to, you know, to co- further towards Amsterdam and Columbus, then uh, it's irrelevant. You're just taking a right. You're going right to Broadway, and that's pretty much where you're conducting uh, most of your affairs there. Yeah, and I've I've sold uh, in, in a uh, in a co-op that was kind of like rules uh, on 103rd between Broadway and Amsterdam. Same same kind of comments. Yeah, you know, there's really you know great op- options over there, and actually, it's di- diagonally across the street from this new Toll Brothers project. Um, they are going to also the smallest units. They are going to be one bedrooms. Uh, just got the pricing literally yesterday, so you know I was able to update that. Uh, they're going to start around one point one seven five million for one bedrooms. Uh, two bed, two baths are going to start around just over two million. And three bed, three baths are going to start in the three point three five million range. Okay. Um, so it gives you an, an, a wide range of opportunity, and that area just doesn't have a whole lot of condo uh, or even new construction options. I know there's one on one hundred and seventh. I know there's one on one hundred and eighth between both between Broadway and Amsterdam, but it's not like that there's a lot of volume and you're right. reliant on those coming up as resales. Same thing at 110, you know, uh, at Broadway. So those are newer constructions, newish constructions at this point. Um, but there's not a whole lot of inventory. So I'm glad that, that this Toll Brothers building and Toll Brothers is known as a luxury builder. So these prices, uh, I think they're good at their starting points, uh, you know, and, and we'll see how, you know, the market absorbs it. But honestly, I think that there's there's a window there. Absolutely. Uh, Manhattanville updates, you know, looking a little further north over here, uh, Columbia University, you know, for those that don't already know that there's uh, there, there's a total of five buildings that were part of phase one. They're all now complete. Um, there was a, another building that is now being constructed at the corner of 125th and Broadway. It was previously a McDonald's drive through mm. Don't worry, McDonald's might be gone, but they will be coming back in the, in, uh, in the new Columbia building that's being there. That's going to be residential for students and faculty and guest housing. 
So I, I think you know better that that I think that's a best use you know for that that land right there you know being right next to the elevated train. Well, know. that was an interesting McDonald's because I can't think of another McDonald's in or any restaurant really in the city that uh, had parking. There's um, there's still one remaining uh, mm. right around Seventh Avenue. I want to say it's in the one thirty somewhere. Mm. Um, they they sacrificed some of their parking lot for uh, for a, a new new rental building, um, but you know, but they but they still maintain a small parking lot and a drive through. Mm. Um, so Maybe not an nearly I, as an large IHOP as IHOP or something like that. I'm There's thinking. an IHOP at one uh, that was at one thirty fifth. I think the IHOP is now out of business. Signs are still there, but I think they're closed. Um, but Got yeah, it. that gives you a you know a little bit of a sense. Um, so that new building is already now they're they're already several stories high already, uh, already at this point. You know, foundation is already poured. Uh, what we know, it's going to be a, a thirty-four story tower, three hundred ninety-one feet tall, uh, one hundred seventy-five thousand square feet total of uh, with one hundred forty-one thousand odd of community facility space. 5,000 square feet commercial space, which we know is going to include that McDonald's, mm-hmm. and a total of 142 residences for the graduate students and faculty members. Uh, going a little deeper into Manhattanville, you've got the Harlem Biospace, uh, which was actually part of the reasons why I actually, you know, I was considering Hamilton Heights, you know, 17 years ago. You know, it, it kind of resembled with Columbia's campus ex- new campus expansion, kind of resembled a lot with, with what happened with MIT. It was kind of an emerging area that when MIT decided to expand their campus and ultimately it created all those biotech uh, incubator type of, uh, of spaces. Yeah. And I was seeing the same kind of thing as likely between Columbia's new science center up there and City College's new two new science buildings. They spent like $600 million on those two new buildings uh the combination and it's kind of almost wedged between i said this new manhattanville factory district area that they're building out it sounds like this is going to be very similar to what happened over at mit and sure enough harlem biospace they're adding a second office uh within that manhattanville factory district um, and ultimately, they're adding another 10,250 square feet of affordable lab space for early stage, small and mid-sized life-sized companies uh, and up to uh, 210 researchers. Now, this is, this is also across, almost kind of diagonally across the street from the new Tasty Cake factory building. There was an original factory building there. Unfortunately, it wasn't salvageable. And, 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 and ultimately, they built a brand new building. So, you know, that's a whole brand new biotech. But the Tasty Cake is still there. Yeah, well, the, there's now a new building, a glass building, in the place of what the original factory, because they couldn't salvage it. It was going to be just too expensive. Is that going to raise the price of Tasty Cakes? No, because it's actually now, and Governor Hochul actually had a ribbon-cutting ceremony, uh, and it's actually going to be all new lab space and for you know all sorts of life science type okay. of research. So I, I think we're seeing going to see that as a larger trend as we look forward. I think that's also you know that's going to probably push up the price of real estate going forward. Now. So mm. no to the tasty cake, yes to the real estate increases. 
Uh, I think ding dongs are better anyway. <laughs> There's always the hostess, you know, debate, of yes. course. Um, 131st in Amsterdam, 1440. Uh, Amsterdam replaces the former supermarket that had burned down, and it's going to be uh, market rate housing, some affordable as well. Um, but but there's a new tower being replaced. That there was a supermarket there, unfortunately, had burned down. I want to say it's somewhere like seven to ten years ago. Hmm. Um, and it's finally there's been an improved building that is going to get start getting built shortly. Um, going continuing a little further north, 145th Street and Amsterdam, there was the uh, a former health facility building that was uh, owned by the state. Uh, it's going to be replaced with a residential building and community space and a health facility. It's not going to fully replace all the space for the health providers. Some of them will be off to fend for themselves. However, mm. you know the screams from the, the, the neighbors and, and, and the area have always been for more affordable housing. So in this case, while they certainly wanted their full medical facility, they're at least getting some of that in return, mm. but they're definitely getting a lot more affordable housing and, it, you know, well needed. 145th Street is a major cross street, so very appropriate place to, to end up putting it and replacing it. I personally think they're going nine stories. I personally think they probably should have went 12, you know, and mm. add back that additional community uh, uh, medical facility spaces. Got it. But, you know, it, it, it's approved. It's it's moving forward. The old building is about to be demolished, probably in the next in the coming weeks ahead. Maybe we should show up. I've I've always wanted to stand and be a spectator and watch the wrecking ball just tear through a building. Maybe <laughs> well, you that's get the one get- possibility. And on the other side of 145th Street at Lenox, there's another possibility to you know to to do that. Unfortunately, there's not much of a wrecking ball opportunity there because <laughs> a lot of it is already vacant or one story buildings. So, I see. You know, so you much more. More easily torn down, but you know, but there was a, a developer that was looking to put up, you know, a, a, a large tower, you know, in that street. Uh, ultimately, you know, going back and forth, community board. Uh, um, there's a new community board member that's in the, in the socialist camp. I don't necessarily want to get into all the politics of it, sure. but oh, I do. <laughs> well, we're also a little time constrained too. I think we're coming up on on the end of our episode here, um, and and at the same time, um, they were originally going to build. You know, originally it was going to be thirty percent affordable, then 35, 40, 45. They got up to fifty, and it still wasn't good enough for you know for the local representative. So basically, the developer pulled to the project altogether and now said instead of building affordable housing and market rate housing we're going to build a truck stop and in terms of the protesting that happened uh, uh, yesterday uh, well, was, what does that mean a truck stop like a gas station no literally a place for truckers to start and, po- and park and potentially I guess you know rest and, and you know but literally can, can you make any money doing that uh, well it's zoned for it and you don't really need to spend much you know to, to create that kind of facility and you charge the truckers to yeah to, uh. to do that but I don't think that's, that's the end game here because <laughs> it was supposed to open already uh, last week they haven't even started real construction on it not that it would require all that much but 
Um, you know, but they haven't started anything, and obviously I think he's stalling, waiting out this person's time in office, and will probably wind up building, you know, housing there ultimately is my guess. But there were protesters there yesterday mm. in front of the site. Um, you know, the final two pieces, because I know we're running long on this episode here, uh, is the proposal offered at the governor's level right now for state and national his, uh, uh, register for historic places for most of Hamilton Heights. You know, I know Hamilton Heights already at the, at the city level is very much landmarked and has two historic districts, but at the state level, it's a little different. Uh, there, there's all sorts of funding available, you know, in order to become, you know, landmarked in, in, you know, at the state level, and it's not the same kind of prohibitions that the city has, so I'm actually quite a bit of a, a supporter of this, and, you know, encompasses a, a rather large swath of the neighborhood. So by the time all is said and done, if this gets approval, almost all of Hamilton Heights will be, you know, landmarked in some way. Mm. Or, or historic district in some way. Wow. Um, so it, it's interesting because it doesn't come with the same connotations as you know landmarking does in at the city level. So right. you know, uh, so I, I think this is only helpful, not harmful. And finally, the last thing is a tidbit of news that I wound up getting yesterday. Uh, Riverbank State Park is getting twenty-six million dollars uh, in renovation funds approved last Friday uh, on December thirty-first. Um, wow. Uh, not December 31st. Uh, last business day of the year in December. So uh, Riverbank, if, if you don't already know it, it is the only state park in Manhattan, and it is on the Hudson River above a water treatment facility. It's the only building of its type in the Western Hemisphere, uh, similar to what you might find over in Japan, you know, where yeah. there's, you know, there's playgrounds, you know, built on the rooftops of buildings. So this Lim is not something you typically find. Yeah. So um, only state park like this in Manhattan is absolutely huge. If you if you don't know of it, um, it's this hidden gem in Manhattan. You know, people are shocked to find all the sporting events that uh, and, and activities that can be done over at Riverbank. Running track, football, soccer, baseball, basketball, tennis. You, you name it, they, they, they have a, 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 spa a, a space for it. Yeah. So if you haven't seen it, you know, definitely recommend you check it out. Uh, it's on the Hudson River, accessible on Riverside Drive, either at around 137th or at 145th. Got it. Uh, I know we've gone long, so you know we're gonna we're gonna call it quits for this episode. But thank you for listening to Harlem Stories. Thank you. Uh -huh.